0: morning, Whitewater. How are you guys doing? You guys awake? First, first serve. Okay, good. Good, guys. Just check in. Yeah, welcome to Whitewater. This is a place where you can belong before you believe. This is a place where we want to bless the community together. Um, ah, we had such a cool thing happen last night. Um, we had this foster care date night where we uh, watched the kids for foster parents, and they were able to go get a much-needed date night, and it was so cool. I walked in here. Uh, and there was dodgeball and, you know, balls are flying over the, all over the room and there's a movie on and then there's kids in the, every area just having fun in our, in our normal area for like kind of toddlers and smaller kids. We've got volunteers that were just serving and investing in, you know, these little, these little ones. And it was so cool to create a safe, fun environment for those kids so the parents could get out. And it's because of you guys that we get to do that. We truly are a church that's a blessing for our community. So thank you. For that, I thought that was so cool. The other thing uh, that's, I, you know, I'm taking a little bit of my sermon time for this, but I'm so excited because I got to see my baby brother married off yesterday. It was amazing. Some of you guys were there, yeah, Evan. You know, Evan. He's married he's on his way to Hawaii. And um, he married Gabby, and she was Shuha. And now she's a Bedlian, and it was awesome. The wedding was so; it was just beautiful. There were all these friends and family gathered, and uh, it was kind of funny. Um, I was the best man. My dad uh, is a pastor, and some of you guys might know him. And he uh, he was doing the the officiating of the wedding. I'm the best man, and as I'm standing there, I'm you know you're kind of like, you know this is the this is the stance you know, um my cousin was like this. Um No, I'm just kidding. He's here. <laughs> he's just staring off on the, he's a little different. Um, <laughs> um we were, I was standing like this, and there's this little, little boy, little, little Jonah Cones. You guys know Pastor Scott? His little boy was in the pew, like, and he's tiny, so he's, like, just consumed by this big, like, wood pew, and he's just looking at me like this, like, And he's just full on waving and he won't stop the whole, the whole ceremony. He's just like, and he's like staring straight at me. And at first I was like, is he looking at me or, but he's just like at me. And he was like, like nodding as I'm, so finally, like toward the end, I was like, I was like, and he was like, yes, yes. He was so pumped. But then the kiss came at the end of the, at the end of the ceremony, right? you may kiss the bride. And I looked over at him and he was like, <sighs> he's disgusted. You know, so his, his parents are raising him right. It was so fun. I'm so happy for my brother Evan, so happy for Gabby to have a new uh, sister-in-law. It is so, so cool. Um, I'm going to jump right in because we got kind of a power pack sermon. Uh, we've been in a sermon series that's really a spiritual growth uh, plan for our church. We want you to grow spiritually and and there's this reality that um, we we all need God's grace. We all need love. We all need acceptance. But we also know it's true that while we need acceptance and love, that we won't become the people we are meant to be if we also don't have some challenge. And so in this sermon, I want to bring some challenge to you guys. I'm going to go through some principles that I, I think will be really helpful if you receive them. Um, but I want to challenge you guys. Because I want to see you grow, because I love you, and I want you to, to reach your potential that, that God has designed you for. So uh, we're going to just jump right in. Um, and Jesus was always telling stories. You guys know that? He's a storyteller. He told his disciples and a big group of people this story one time about soil and seeds and a farmer. He said, there's once this farmer who went out and he was casting seed. And by the way, do you know where the, the term broadcasting comes from? It's, it's a farming term. You, you would broadcast your seed. You would you would throw it broadly to ha- get a broad harvest. So there was a farmer out casting a seed. And it, uh, the seed fell on four soils. Now, the first soil was, uh, was a path. And when it fell on the path, some birds swooped down and picked up the seeds so they didn't uh, ha- produce any fruit. Then uh, it, the seeds also fell on some rocky soil. And over time, because they couldn't get root with the rocks... They didn't pr- produce much of a harvest at all. Then on the third soil that was thrown on, uh, it, 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 the, the seeds kind of got planted in there, but all these weeds came up and thorns came up around and choked out uh, the seeds, and so they didn't pr- produce much harvest. And, uh, and then there was the fourth soil, and it was good soil. And a harvest was produced a hundred times what had been cast onto the soil. And Jesus told the story to his disciples and you'd see them you know like with all the people being like yeah isn't it amazing and, and everyone's like Well, what does it mean and they're like well we, we can't tell you you know it's a parable for a reason you need to figure it out and then them looking at Jesus being like what what did you mean what was that and 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 Jesus actually took him aside and said, okay I'll explain this parable to you you guys want to know what he said yeah Mar- marginally interested to know what the words of Jesus were that's great <laughs> Um Luke 8, 11 through 15, uh, Jesus takes his disciples aside and begins explaining what it means. Now, I want to give a little bit of a, a preface. The rest of the sermon is really going to be about uh, two things. And Jesus is challenging them on two levels in this story. There's, isn't that cool that sometimes there's multiple levels in a story? Like uh, husbands, when your wives talk to you, there, there are multiple levels sometimes to what they're saying. And Jesus would take advantage of that. And often we don't get it as guys. So I'm going to try to explain it as clear as I can. And ladies, you tell me if I missed any other layers, okay? So two levels that Jesus is talking about. The first is he's talking about soil as people. There's The the, the world is filled with people and these people in his story, they're, they're represented by soils. There's different kinds of soils. So we're to be asking ourselves, what kind of soil am I as we listen to that story? On another level, Jesus is also trying to teach leaders, trying to teach disciples, people who would follow Christ and begin to serve Christ. He's trying to teach them to not just ask the question only, what kind of soil am I? But he wants to teach them also, what kind of farmer am I? Am I learning how to, to sow or to plant seeds of the kingdom? So there's these two levels, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. It really is looking at the soil question is, uh, what is God doing in me? The The farmer question is, What does God want to do through me, okay? So we're going to spend a little bit of time on the first question and the rest of the time on the last. So here's how Jesus explains what the parable means. He says in verse 11, chapter 8, he says, This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. It's the truth of God. It's the love of God. It's the seeds that God plants in the world. uh, Verse 12 says, The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away uh, the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. That spiritual forces, that Satan comes and, and plucks that from their heart. Verse 13 says, And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. They're super excited. But having no root, these believe for a while and then fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked. Out with the worries and the riches and the pleasures of life, and they produce no mature fruit. But the seed, the fourth soil, the seed in the good ground—these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring produce good fruit. What kind of soil are you? So the first thing I want—if you guys have notes—they uh, they should be out in the seats. Um, the, the first thing I want to—I want to hit is. Um, God is planting a harvest in you. What is he doing in your life? And the first thing on the notes is God is he produces a harvest in you by your choice to hear and obey. If you looked at uh verse 15 it says but the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, produce good fruit. They listen, they hear, they want to hear what God has to say to them. They long to hear from the Lord. They long to, to apply the truth of God to their life, even if it's hard, even if it's not what they want to hear, and, and then do it. So they hear and obey, and that is their choice. So many people in our world want to hand away uh, their choices. They want to give them away to other people. They want to give them away uh, to relatives. To friends, to the government to you know to other people, so they don't have to be responsible for their own choices, because we have a culture that that has the fomo it's the the fear of missing out and the fear of messing up, yeah. So many people are afraid of missing out on stuff and so they, you know, they, they have, they struggle making the choice. Ultimately, there's people smiling. I feel like I'm talking to a few people at least then. And they, and, and and so they, they struggle making that choice. Some of us get so afraid of messing up that we get paralyzed and we want to give away our, our empowered ability to make choices. And Jesus is teaching disciples, people who would be disciples, who want to be good soil, not the soil that forgets things and and doesn't produce a harvest of, of good Goodness for the kingdom of God and goodness in their life. Um, he, he he wants them to realize it's your choice. You have to take ownership for your spiritual growth. Who's responsible for your growth as a spiritual empowered being? You are. Your grandma isn't. Your friends aren't. You know you are. You're responsible. I'm not even responsible. I mean, I'm responsible to help people. I can help them as much as I can. But we all are responsible for ourselves when it comes to listening and doing what God asks us to do. Number two says, God produces a harvest in you by commitment and endurance. Notice in verse 15 it says that they, they, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it by enduring. There's perseverance, there's grit. There's tenacity, like there's an ability, like I am making a commitment here and what would our world like, what would your life look like if if you just like turned up the degrees of commitment that you have to the good things in your life? and maybe turn down some of the commitment to the bad things because what happens we often flip it don't we we are like more committed to the things that are more self-destructive or or misguided misleading and unhelpful generally and as we can become more committed to our time and energy we might say we're not committed to those things we might say we're committed to the things of God we say we're committed to our families we say we're committed to these other priorities but with our actions with our energy with our time our talent we, we actually are committed to these things over here and what would it look like we turned down the commitment there, and we turned up the commitment to the things of God, and we had endurance. We, it wasn't the kind of commitment that's like I'm in until it hurts, I'm in until it you know doesn't make sense, I'm in until it you know uh, uh, until I'm out. You know, that's not a, that's not a deep sense of commitment. And we've been in this series, uh, called Built, and it's about building your faith, growing as a church, individually and as a group, having our faith grow. And it's so easy to want the results of, of faith without actually living a life of faith. That means we can live through, through grandma. We can live through our friends. We can live through the radio. We can live through like the televangelist. We can live through what I hear, what George is saying on on stage or when Michael's playing worship. I can live through that stuff without ever actually having to take a step of faith myself. And, and here's the, here's one thing. We've talked about this, but it's so true. The best things in life are based on faith. Your relationships, your most, your closest relationships are based on faith. You have to entrust somebody with your love and your care. Your wife, your husband, your best friend, your family members, people that might be sitting around you, people you wish were around you today. Like the, all those relationships take faith because you have to trust somebody. They can let you down. The worst thing is when you have your trust broken in a relationship, you have your faith broken in a relationship because someone's let you down and it takes time to, to reintegrate and earn that back and to restore that, Correct. It, it, the best things in life are relationships. Are run on faith. It's the same way with God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because He wants faith. It, it, it's a, it's a relational requirement. Number three, God produces a harvest in you by helping you identify the conditions that prevent growth. God produces a harvest in you by by helping you identify conditions that prevent growth. So what are the the conditions that Jesus mentions and I know there's probably Hundreds of conditions that can prevent growth in our lives, that can prevent spiritual growth in our life. But Jesus decides to address three really important ones. And there's actually a fourth hidden in this, okay? So I'll give you the three obvious ones and then the, the fourth hidden. I'm going to give them to you really quick. The first one is like the soil that was thrown in. It was actually thrown on a path. Like it's so hard, there's the, the, the seeds can't get planted. And Satan comes in, spiritual darkness comes in and and plucks those seeds away and how many people in our world are so maybe their heart is hard because of hurt because of pain maybe nothing to do with themselves everything to do with their what has happened to them and satan plucks away every good thing that would get planted in them or maybe it's by just a hard heart that's it's you and you've just you're bitter and you're angry and like there's a, there's a lot of outside stuff, but there's a lot of inward stuff. And s- Satan is plucking the, the goodness that God is putting in your heart. The, the second soil is the, the rocky soil, right? Where there's all these stones and rocks and it gets planted. What does it say about that? The seed on the rock are those who, when hearing, receive with great joy. They're, ex- they're excited. They're ecstatic. They're like slapping high fives. They go to church. They're so pumped, you know, because man, wasn't that a good word? And the Bible's so true and it's great, but having no root. They believe for a while, but they fall away in the time of testing. Jesus is training his disciples for what? A time of, you know, like complete happiness and no challenge? If you know the story of Jesus, Jesus is going to the cross. They're going to face a test. They're going to face a challenge. They're going to face persecution. They're going to face face all these things that life has to throw at them. And Jesus is trying to prepare them to not only receive the good news of, of, of Jesus, the good news of God, um, that 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 feels good. It sounds good. Forgiveness is great. Grace is great. All these communities great. Acceptance is great. He's he's also saying there is a there is an aspect of the good news that is a high challenge because he's getting them ready to face persecution on the cross. He's saying there are some people that when the seed, the, the the seeds of God are planted in their hearts. They're super excited about all the good stuff. But when the hard stuff comes, they bail. Because there's no commitment. Because maybe there's no understanding of what that commitment was. They're like, yeah, I get everything and it's all good. There's nothing bad. There's never going to be challenge. It's all abundance. It's all prosperity. And don't get me wrong. God wants us to receive the abundance of of him and his love. But friends, we are in a world that will throw everything in the kitchen sink at you, Right? Just look at the news, look what people are going through on a daily basis. I mean there are people that are in here right now that are carrying burdens. I, no one would know that you're carrying. No one would have a clue. And the people who like are good soil are able to accept the good news with the challenge. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go even when they have to pick, pick up their cross and start following Jesus. Third soil, seed that falls among the thorns. That's just, I'd call this the American soil. These are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and, and then they're choked out with worries, riches, and pleasures of life. We live in like one of the richest countries in the world. We have, we have, a, we have cities with churches. City, we've got hotels and churches with Bibles. We have no end of resources at our fingertips to grow spiritually. But because we are such a consumer culture, we have a tendency to let the weeds begin to choke out our spiritual growth. Yeah? Can we agree on that? And friends, I want you to grow. I want you to become great, good soil and do an internal evaluation. What kind of soil am I? I have Have these weeds of, you know, these pleasures and the worries of life and getting ahead and running the rat race and the American dream, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness have somehow become more important than following Christ. What kind of soil are you? Now, I could spend a lot of time there. Ooh, I promised a fourth, didn't I? No, we don't need that. No, I'm just kidding. Just like, you're leaving me hanging. So Jesus, Jesus is teaching his disciples this. Why does he have to teach them this? Because they don't know. There are some, some soil that are just, they're bad soil because they don't, they're not even aware of what good soil and bad soil is. That's the fourth thing. They just don't know. And so Jesus is teaching them. So what I want to lean into now is what does is good, good soil look like once it's become a farmer? What does it look like, not to just ask the question, what is God doing in me, but what can God do through me? And I want to spend some time talking about the law of, of the harvest, the law of planting and harvest, yeah? So here we go. My um, grandpa Eldon, some of you guys know him here, Uh, When I was really little, he retired at 55. He retired super early so he could have a farm and ranch. I remember he had this garden and he uh, he had us help him plant it. I think it was in the summer. And um, he planted corn. He had all this stuff. And it was on this kind of high berm. He was in central California it was a place called Squaw Valley, and it was just this beautiful area, all these golden hills and he had cat, he had cows, he had chickens and I remember him uh, teaching us how to plant and he took seeds and he was planting it in the ground, and I was helping him. We just got filthy, I mean just muddy and nasty i 'm sure Grandma was very happy about this and uh, and he also had these oak trees that were planted up on this area, this like um, berm that had a just beautiful lawn and then his his little garden. And he's teaching us to plant these things. I didn't really understand as much. I was probably like four or five. And I remember, he walked me over to the, to the oak tree and he picked up an acorn. He said, hey, do you know what we're planting? Seeds. Do you know what we're, we're going to be waiting for? Well, I think it's going to grow stuff. He's like, okay, what you need to know is that that seeds can become trees. It's like in this seed, this is a seed from an oak tree. But if you were to plant this in the ground, an oak tree could grow from it. And, you know, there's oak, you know, there's acorns all over the ground. There's acorns all over in the trees. And I'm looking around and there's squirrels running around. If you've ever been by oak trees, it's just, that's just the way it is. And he said, but here's the thing. It's not just a tree that this can produce. In this seed are thousands of trees. And it was, I mean, at an early age, he was trying to teach me like just a law of nature, the way God has created things. And um, Galatians 6-7 says this about the the law of planting and harvesting. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. Whatever a person plants, he will harvest. What we plant, we will harvest. So I want to talk to you guys and go through these uh, quickly, but I want to go through 12 lessons. 12 lessons on being a great farmer on the law of the harvest. All right. So the first one is this. Uh, you might want to have, have your notes out. Planting seeds is an act of faith. Planting seeds is an act of faith. Why is it an act of faith? Well, Jesus just told this story, right, where like four out of, you know, one out of the four soils are actually good. So that means like, you know, 75%, if my math is correct, are really bad soil. And that's not including like maybe a storm that could come or, you know, other, you know, squirrels that could come pluck the seed. Maybe there's some other things too. Maybe it, when you're a farmer or when you're looking at planting some seeds, like it, you realize that you're facing a lot of, uh, of, of bad odds. Yeah. So in this, uh, in this story, um, planting seeds is an act of faith. There's overwhelming odds that the seeds that you plant are just going to be wasted. It's really easy to with our lives. If we are supposed to be farmers of the kingdom, we're supposed to be... And when I'm talking about seeds from here on out, I'm talking about anything of value that we can give away that ha- finds its source in God, that finds its uh, source in the kingdom of God. Anything good that we can give away. Love, prayer, kindness. Any act that is, is really a seed that we're planting. And when we're looking at the world and like... a and if we are to give away and give away and give away, and most of that might not return to us, it can be really discouraging. Planting then becomes an act of faith. Number two, everything begins as a seed and nothing grows until the seed is planted. Genesis 1, 11 says, God said, let the land have seed-bearing plants, trees that bear fruit and seed in it, and according to the varieties. God made it from the very beginning, like life starts from seeds. He's almost like an acorn. The other reality here is um, nothing grows, nothing grows until the seed is planted. Nothing will grow in your life unless it's been planted. Nothing will grow unless you plant. Um, John, uh, John 12, 24 says this. Jesus said, Unless... A grain of wheat is buried in the ground. It cannot reproduce. But it will. if it dies, it will produce much fruit. And Jesus, again, talking on two levels. On one level, he's saying, like, my father sent me as a seed to be planted in the earth, to die on the cross, so that through my death, uh, a harvest of souls, a harvest of lives would come. By my death, many will be forgiven. By my death, many will be freed. So he's saying that truth of the gospel. But also, there's another principle at work here, that if you don't plant... You won't harvest. Unless a seed is planted in the ground and dies, nothing will come up. And I think it's so easy to forget that, so easy to be discouraged in our faith and our in our in our spiritual growth that maybe people are like, Man, God can't use me, or I don't know how He'd use me, or man, why do I keep giving? I just feel like I'm giving, giving. Why why not just keep some of the seed for my own life? Why expend the energy? And, and I see tired Christians who have stopped sowing seeds like generously because they're just tired. And this is reminding, you, why, why do we sometimes stop casting seed, the king, seed of the kingdom into the world? So I think we've taken our eyes off the harvest. We have forgotten there is a harvest. Unless seed is cast, there is no harvest. Well, why would someone be foolish enough not to cast seed when we've been commanded and when we get to be part of this amazing harvest? It's because we've forgotten to look forward to the harvest. Any farmer knows it's not the funnest thing to go around planting seeds, but it's fun to bring the harvest in. It's fun to know that you're going to get to bring in this amazing thing. It's going to feed your family. It's going to feed other families. It's going to change the world. with it. That's so important everything starts with the seed and unless we plant where there is no harvest i love this the kingdom of god this is mark four is like someone who plants seed in the ground uh night and day whether the person is asleep or awake the seed still grows the person does not know how it grows like How cool is it that when we give, when we give love, when we give grace, when we give prayer, when we give these things away, when we plant seeds and we're generous, that somehow we as followers of Christ, or if you begin to begin to start following Jesus, you begin living a life of faith, that means that you begin trusting that the good and the kingdom that's coming out of your life, the sacrifice and the commitment that you're making, and all the things that have eternal value that you're planting out there that look like they're just being wasted we can trust that god somehow is growing i don't understand how seeds grow out of the ground do you that's yours oh sarah durris who's actually a farmer does you you need to leave i no, i'm just kidding <laughs> we can't have someone who knows how this works um i don't know how it works but but god makes stuff grow like the kingdom is the same way we cast good eternal things out god's gonna make it grow He's the, I mean, he is the ultimate farmer and he wants us to learn to be farmers with our lives. Uh, number three. When I have a, a need, I should plant a seed. When I have a need, I should plant a seed. This is really important. Ecclesiastes 11 says this. Do your planting in the morning and in the evening too. You never know whether it will be, will all grow well or whether one planting will do better than the other. You just don't know. And, um, when we have a need, we should plant a seed. Uh, What what this is really getting at is we have to start thinking more like a farmer and less like a consumer. What does a consumer do when they need some apples? What's that? You run to the store and you buy them, right? It's really easy. You just go to the store and you buy them because that's where apples are. If you're a farmer and you have a need for some apples, a lot of apples, what do you do? Your living, your living matters. If you're a farmer, what do you do? You plant seeds for apples, right? And real good farmers, they forecast and they figure that they got to plant a bunch before they actually need them, right? And we need to start thinking a lot more like farmers than consumers. Consumers just want to go buy. They want to go to the store. They want to buy their spirituality. People often will come to church. They just want to like have a transaction. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, God, I'll just like get this from you and I'll go. And, and there's no organic process to it. They haven't learned to plant seeds because they, sometimes we can fool ourselves into thinking like that spirituality is an accessory that we can buy for our lives. I just want this thing that I'll, like this accessory I'll put on my, onto my life and I'll be good. But the reality is it's not how it works remember you are responsible for your own spiritual growth you have to start you have to start planting seeds of prayer in your life other people can't pray for you they can pray for you but not pray for you uh, you have to begin to like study on your own and start learning the Bible. You have to start building friendships and and building community, Christ, you know, Christ like community in your life. You have to start pursuing those things and planting those seeds so that you can grow because that's the only way you're going to be stretched to grow. When you have a need, plant a seed. So if if you need if you have a need for generosity in your life, rather than thinking consumeristically uh, and being like I'm just going to go buy some generosity by asking someone or whatever. Um, and I'm not saying that's bad. Sometimes we do need to just go ask. But what what if we started thinking like a farmer and started planting seeds of generosity so that you will reap a harvest of generosity someday? If you have a need in your life for um, for acceptance... Um farmers, instead of thinking like, I need to go get acceptance for myself all the time, they start thinking, well, no, I need to start planting seeds of acceptance and accepting others and helping other people have an environment of acceptance so that they'll reap a harvest of acceptance in their life. They're thinking long-term and they're thinking like, a spiritual leader, a farmer. Does that make sense? And sometimes we, we mistake this. Someone might hear this and be like, oh, you're saying just be generous so that you can get from God. No, 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 no. This is teaching us how to become spiritually mature. Super important. Plant seeds if you have a need. You uh, Number four, you will harvest exactly what you plant. You will harvest exactly what you plant. Galatians 6, 7 uh, confirms this you will always harvest what you plant you will always harvest what you plant Galatians 6 uh, 7 through 8 says this: the person who plants selfishness ignoring the needs of others and ignoring God harvests a crop of weeds that's all he'll have to show for his life but the one who plants in response to God letting God's spirit do the work of the growth work in him harvests a crop of real life eternal life I just think this is so important I'm, I'm giving I'm kind of casting out these these laws these principles as seeds for the sermon and I'm wanting these things to take because if you can learn to be a farmer and not just good soil good soil but also a farmer God will bring about a harvest you wouldn't believe in your life so the reality is here if you plant bitterness you'll you'll harvest bitterness if you plant anger you'll harvest anger if you plant unforgiveness you'll harvest unforgiveness in your life you plant gossip You'll harvest gossip. That's the thing that's so funny. And people who are really struggle with gossip, it's like, like, I don't understand it because I, how could it not bring more gossip and, and hardship into someone's life if they gossip? It's like sometimes we'll think that being unforgiving by, by letting gossip take root in our life, by even letting bitterness uh, take root in our life, that somehow that'll fix the problem. But the reality is we have to plant good things to harvest good things. The amazing thing is with Jesus though, we harvest it all bad and he's the only one that could turn our bad harvest into good. So that is reality that God's grace can do that. But the, the the truth is we have to learn to harvest good. Um I had some friends that um I had some friends that had patterns from their their original families. Their their families of origin had the had the pattern of shunning and exiling people if there was a fight they'd ever have a disagreement. They would shun you. They wouldn't talk to you. You couldn't come to the home. They, went, they would just cut the relationship off, sometimes for years, sometimes a lifetime. And this couple, they ended up finding Christ, making these changes in their life. They got married. But the pattern from the original family of how to deal with conflict was still there. So when they would come into conflict with some people and it got to a certain point, they would shun and they would exile and they would cut people out. And they didn't, they didn't see it, but that's what they would do. They would cut, and they would shun, and they would, And it was just this pattern in their life. They were Christians, but the pattern was still there. Um, it, was, it was so hard to see. There was one point in their life where their son was old enough to get, to get married, and they had an argument about the wedding and about some things going on. And their son decided to do what? Shun them and exile them. I remember talking with them, and they couldn't believe. They were just like, I can't believe this. What is going on? Our son shut us out. We are so hurt. And they could not see the seeds that that had been planted in their life and and that they had continued planting come to harvest by having themselves shunned and exiled. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. And I bring that up because I'm willing to bet every one of us in here have patterns in our life that we're blind to in some ways and we've been planting seeds. It might not be shunning and exiling, but it's something that often we can't see and we have planted that in our life and we are reaping what we are sowing. We are, we are harvesting what we have planted. But the, but the opposite is also true. The one who plants in response to God lets God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So, some of us we need to start. We need to start planting good things. Let planting love, planting hope, planting prayers. Like begin planting as much good that the kingdom can, can can produce through you, so you can see a harvest. I have a friend named Jeff. He he actually leads Olive Crest, the the organization we work with for um, foster care. And he'll come up once a year and he'll share with our church. And, and twice he's been up at Whitewater. And the first time he shared, he looked out in the congregation and he saw his first foster kid that he placed in a home. The first one he ever did, like 30 years ago. And she was in church. She was transformed. Her She had um wonderful family around her. He got to see the harvest 30 years later. While he was sharing with our church about foster care, he got to see the fruit of his later. He got to see the harvest that he had planted when she was just a little girl. Again, it happened. He was up front and he was sharing and he saw another, um, uh, foster kid that he had, that he had helped get in a home. He had planted them in a home. And he saw them as an adult and now they not only were doing well and healthy and married and had a, an ecosystem of life around them, but this person also was now fostering. Themselves, we leave a legacy through our planting, don't we? I just think it's so amazing. That's the fifth point: what you, you will harvest, what uh, others have planted, and others others will harvest what you have planted. Uh, John four thirty eight says, "I sent you to reap where you didn't plant. Others have already done work before you, and you will gather their their harvest." There's a, there's a reality that we are all leaving a legacy. We all stand on somebody's shoulders. Somebody will stand on ours. What legacy are you leaving? I don't have t- too much time to talk about this point other than this. We started in a home, like a little seed this church did. And there are people who have gone on to plant other churches and be part of other things, but they helped start this church. And you sitting here today are their legacy. You being here, hearing God's word having an open heart. That is what they have prayed for. That's what they planted. You are their harvest. What harvest are you going to leave behind? What legacy are you going to leave behind with your work, with your family, and with your with your spiritual community? What kind of legacy will you be leaving behind? Number six, I harvest in a different season than I plant. This was a really hard one for my daughter. There are seasons of planting, seasons of harvesting. We were planting strawberries one time. She kept going outside every day wanting there to be strawberries, but it was taking some time. And I was like Novella, it was it was planting time, but the harvest time's coming. And finally, the harvest came. There were strawberries, and she ate them, and she loved them. But the, uh, the cherry tree that we had planted also um, came up with cherries. But we were gone on vacation, so she was waiting for cherries. By the time we got back, harvest season was op- over, and all the birds had ate, ate them. They were all gone. She was just so disappointed. Some of us are in a planting time; we want to be in harvest, but it's planting. Some of us were in harvest time; we got to see it. You guys know those cards that we hand around? It's one in four people they say will come to church if you invite them. Isn't that interesting? Like that the Bible says that too? Like one in four of the soils? It's like Jesus knew what he was talking about. Man, I am praying that our church would see such a harvest for Easter where it's harvest time. People are willing to come hear God's word. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm excited about. And I'm praying with you. Would you be praying for people that God has put in your life? There, there should be cards on the seats around you if you don't have one to, to write their names down and pray for them daily. God, would you, would you plant seeds in the heart? And you start planting seeds of love and acceptance, invitation. Bring them um, to experience God's love. Number seven, I must have patience and grit not to quit. We talked about this already. So many people stop looking at the harvest, they start looking at the issues, the problems, they, they maybe don't have the knowledge, they don't seek the knowledge, and they give up. You cannot give up. You must have patience and grit not to quit. Number eight, I always harvest more than I plant. This is just the reality. Mark 4 8 says this Some seed fell in good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, and even 100 times more than it had been planted. One acorn has a has thousand oak trees in it. Like I look out here today, I wonder what kind of potential is in this room. I wonder what kind of legacy each individual in here will leave. I know some of you guys. I know some of the legacy you're leaving. And I think God has more. God has more. In, that, in fact, that's the next point. You increase your harvest by planting more seeds. God wants to entrust you with more. He wants to entrust you as leaders. He's looking for leaders that he can entrust more with. You increase your harvest by planting more seeds. God will give you more as you are planting. He wants to use your life. The question always comes to what, what do we want to be known for with our life by how much we gave or how much we kept for ourselves? How much are you willing to give? How much are you willing to sacrifice to see a harvest? How much is this church willing to give so that we can see a harvest? Are we willing to give a little? Are we willing to give sacrificially? Are we willing to say, God, everything I have is yours. Use it. Man, what could God do with a church like that? What kind of harvest? could he bring in? What kind of people would he change? What would that do to your life if you had that, like that just total sacrificial, um, surrendered heart? I think God can do amazing things. <sighs> the more seed I plant, the more God will entrust me. God wants to give more. He wants leaders and he's looking for leaders. He can give more seeds of love, acceptance and leadership too. Number 11, I plant by faith, not feelings. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. These are the last two points I want to give you guys, and I want to close in prayer. They they weep as they go to plant their seeds, but they sing as they return with the harvest. I'll say this. Um, Sarah and I lost our twins at 21 weeks in the pregnancy. Um, when that happened... Um, I didn't feel like coming to church for a while I didn't feel like preaching sometimes I, I know I needed to listen to people I knew I needed to minister I didn't always feel like ministering and after a season of grieving when I came back it was still it was still there for both me and Sarah like we just didn't we didn't feel it we didn't feel like casting seeds of love and and hearing other people's problems at times but i I know my wife, she was leading by this way and I, I we made a decision that we were going to continue planting even when we hurt. We were going to make a decision to continue planting the, the seeds of God's love the best we could and show up time and time again because those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. And it, we could give up. We could have just kind of, you know, thrown in the towel for a season or whatever. But what what good would it? There would have been no harvest. And we were able to grieve and we were able to minister. And even when I didn't feel like preaching, I'd get up and preach. Even when Sarah didn't feel like ministering, she'd get up and she'd start ministering to people, praying for people. And friends, there has been a harvest because of that. And we didn't always feel like it. You won't always feel like stepping out in faith, but friends, it's worth it. There will be a harvest. last thing is the, <clears throat> the best time to plant is now. The best time to plant is now. Those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. And those who look at every cloud will never reap a harvest. The best time to plant is now. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Don't wait. What can you start planting now? What do you have that you can give? What do you? What are you afraid to give? What are you been clinging to uh, that's preventing you from giving? What? What is distracting you? What thorns, thistles, and weeds are distracting you from giving and bringing in a harvest? What rocks are in your life that are preventing you from being that soil? Begin clearing it out. What kind of soil are you, so that God can plant into your life? And then, what kind of farmer could you be if you allowed God? to do something through you. Let's pray. As you're praying, would you just ask yourself these questions? Father God, would you help me to see the seeds that you're planting in my heart? Would you help me to know them? Would you help me to respond to them? God, what seeds are you wanting me to start planting? And if you're here today and you you haven't planted many seeds of, of the kingdom, would you ask this question, God, how can I start planting today? And if you're somebody here who's been planting for a long time and you've been waiting patiently, would you, would you ask God to help you right now? God, would you help me to patiently wait for that harvest and to not give up, never give up? And God, would you help me to be the farmer and the soil, the Christian that you've designed me to be,